Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud, Friday edition. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle, on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Today's special guest on Nurses Out Loud is Alaska Senator Laura Reinbold. She was in the Alaska State House for six years between 2013 and 2019, and she served in the Alaska Senate 2019 to 2023. And if you notice those years, you'll see that she traveled through the pandemic as a senator in Alaska. So to get to the Capitol, just to even vote, it was insane for her because barriers were put up that made it very difficult for her to even fulfill her duty trying to serve the citizenry there in Alaska. And we did an interview on her in 2023 that I will make sure to put in the show notes so you don't miss the harrowing journey that this senator has had to go through because of an attempt, honestly, to silence a senator and to keep a senator from voting. And now she is involved in fighting within the legislature, not outside the legislature, now in the judicial branch to try and get justice for what has gone down. So welcome to Nurses Out Loud, Senator Reinbold. We're so glad to have you. And I'm so excited to have you tell us about these lawsuits. But before we do that, I want you to give a quick reminder for anybody who did not hear the first interview of what actually happened to you that even led to these lawsuits even being necessary. So tell them a little story about that because people don't understand it's very different in Alaska. If you can't get somewhere, it's a little difficult there. Yes. Okay. So uh, thank you for having me on your show today. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to tell you that uh, we got to back up just a little bit. Um, I was in um, pharmaceutical sales, pharmaceutical management. I worked for Johnson and Johnson. I was a manager for Bristol Myers Squibb. So I had several years uh, in the big pharma industry prior to uh, serving in the legislature. So I feel like I was groomed for this battle. And um, I had placed myself on very important committees, the Judiciary Committee. I was chairwoman of the Judiciary Committee. I was on health and social services, and I was on state affairs and amongst many other committees and subcommittees. So I felt completely groomed and ready when COVID finally hit. I don't think anybody could have been placed in a better position than I was. I felt groomed for this battle. So when the governor put forth a bill um, onto the, it was a joint committee. That night I stayed up almost the entire night and watched that bill. And I told my staff, this is it. This is it. This is the transformation. This is what's going to happen. All hands on deck. So I knew, and that was roughly March 27th, 2020. I knew, I knew that I needed to gear up and, and be completely all in. Then I started praying about what to do. And um, I got a very strong impression that I needed to go read the constitution 
read the federal constitution and read every single mandate that the governor was putting forth so fast. I mean, he was boom, 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 boom. So I was crossing examining. I, I posted on Facebook. Does anyone want to join me? Coincidentally, 12 people joined me and we started constitutional freedom fighters. And this was the first week of April, 2020. So this was right out of the shoot. Okay. And, um, I, we ended up spending six weeks writing a petition to the government and it was called the people petitioning their government. And we showed where all the mandates where they violated the federal constitution, the state constitution, federal laws and state statutes. I had that on the Senate floor, roughly May 15th of 2020. And I got roughly 10 yeses and 10 no's. So I was exposing what was going on real early. Oh, my goodness. Yes, you were. And I, I had forgotten that you used to be in the pharmaceutical complex yourself. So you had special insight into that. So I'm sure it was very intriguing to you when you noticed that the um, savior of the universe that was being put out there was a vaccine and that it was the thing that was going to be mandated. So how did the mandates end up playing themselves into Alaska and how you acted on the vaccine mandate particularly? Well, I knew that it took about 17 years, you know, because I helped place grants and things like that when I worked with my farm D up in Alaska. And I knew there was no way that it could be safe and effective and been tested in pregnancy. And, and we never uh, jabbed people in a p pandemic ever. And so I knew immediately that this is where it was going. If they're going to force the masks, you know, I knew they were going to force the the um, the vaccines and which are not vaccines at all. Um, and so so I uh, I, I started doing um, COVID symposiums and I started exposing way back in in 2020 and 2021 what was really going on. And um, I was hosting people like um, Merle Nass and Dr. Ryan Cole and uh, OSHA experts who, who was actually one of them is here with me today. And we were exposing what was going on and hosting symposiums. And the first symposium um, we had 1,200 people came to because constitutional freedom fighters had been going around the state. We had a petition. We got almost 8,000 signatures to that petition that I presented before the Senate. And we started a movement to reopen Alaska. We were hosting rallies um, and then joining other, other groups. And I remember um, the governor finally was getting pretty annoyed with me. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of when the ball really, the domino started falling. And, and I tell you, it's been three of the hardest years of my life. And I want to explain what happens when you're a bold conservative leader, when, um, you are standing up against tyranny that has billions of dollars and it has been pre-planned. It, it, it was a very, very, very hard, uh, thing, but it's what I'm most proud of in my life. So if I were to do it all over again, I'd do it again. Even I though know. all the hardships have been almost unbearable, uh, I still would do it all over again. And right. I probably would have been stronger even. And I feel like I was incredibly strong. Well, I tell you, it is another yet another story that here she is for such a time as this, that the, everything was lined up, like she said, to set her up for this. But I want you to make sure to tell them before we go on to the lawsuits about what had to happen when something went to vote. What happened with you that involved the airlines and what would what would happen beforehand before this shocking thing happened? What was the norm when it was time for Senator Reinbold to go and vote where her capital is? And what was a normal experience for you? And people need to realize how far away you lived from where the actual capital was and give them that little story real quick. OK, so <clears throat> I live in Eagle River, which is part of Anchorage, Alaska. The capital 
does not have roads to it. It's in Juneau, Alaska. So it's um long, long, long way away. So it's about an hour and a half flight. And there's only one airline, uh, Alaska Airlines, that serves the capital during session. Our session is roughly um, the second week of, of, of um, January. And it's supposed to go 90 days, but it usually goes four, five months. And then um, that year, in 2021, I believe the governor called four special sessions. So I think it was around 240 days we were supposed to be in Juneau during 2021. And that's the year I got banned on Alaska Airlines. So normally I'd pop on a, you know, 20 minutes to the airport and then jump on a plane in an hour and a half, I'd be in Juneau. That's so like normal. 20 that's normal. drive to the airport and then you are an hour and a half, you're where you're supposed to be. Right. So what happened with Alaska Airlines? So, um, Alaska Airlines, um, it, it really what happened is the governor on February 18th of 2021 had kind of gotten annoyed with me. And he sent an egregious letter out about me using his state letterhead, his governor bully pulpit. And he went to town on me and he basically said um, that I had violated my tenants of the oath of office. He said I violated ethics. And he went on and on and said that he was going to bar any resources to my judiciary committee because I was making a mockery of COVID. And what I was really doing is bringing experts like historians about pandemics from wall builders. I was bringing um, the Great Barrington Declaration before my committee. I was bringing OSHA experts showing how masks didn't work. I was asking for death certificates, you know, and did the people really die? Because I'm judiciary. I'm judiciary chair. We're, we're supposed to, you know, assess what legally is going on in the state. So anyway, the governor sent this letter out and it was the most shocking. My colleague, uh, Senator Shower, called it a nuclear political weapon against me. It was very severe and it made national news and um, and it really rocked my boat. And then the very next day, I got an ethics complaint from Rick Sennett that very same day. I've never had an ethics complaint in my life. And it was for not, it was for blocking him on Facebook. And he was a known nemesis that I had filed a complaint against in the past. So, and then this gal named Bobby McDowell, she um, posted Governor Dunleavy's egregious letter. It was libelous. It was a, it was a libel. It was sheer libel. And so anyway, um, uh, I decided to just keep strong, keep bringing people to my judiciary committee and don't give in to this pressure. And uh, and then I did a little video with the governor saying, let's get in a boxing round. You're six foot five. I'm five, three. Let's go. Let's let's go to town on COVID, you know, and I just tried to make it light. Um, and, and then I decided to do a, a very tough response, calling it libel and responded to the governor. So I had to get that background information in first before I went to the Alaska airline issue, because people have got to know that's where the three lawsuits are right now. The McDowell versus Reinbold, the Reinbold versus Rick Senate and the ethics committee and the governor, and then um, Reinbold versus Alaska airlines. Cause that's what we're going to, we're going to focus on a little bit later in the show. I know. So bottom line is, um, in November of 2020, Alaska Airlines had asked me to put two masks on. And I didn't know why. I was coming back from a wall builders uh, conference. And I asked, why am I being asked to put two masks? And they said that my mask didn't cover my chin. <laughs> and I thought, holy mackerel. And I just did a simple little post on Facebook and said, Alaska Airlines masks 
uh, bullies are out in full force asking me to put two masks on. And um, so anyway, um, I ended up getting home. Um, and then I went back to uh, Juno to, for session. And I asked them, I said, listen, I have a mask exemption and I would like my mask exemption honored. It was a legitimate medical mask exemption. And Alaska Airlines said, no, we're not going to honor it. So that's kind of how things started November and January. Then I was targeted a month before that, December 1st. A flight attendant said, you're going to be targeted. They're going to watch you. I was on my way, actually on vacation. And they said, they're going to watch you for mask compliance. They said, make sure you've got it on because they are watching. And exactly what they said was going to happen, happened. And I ended up making it there and back without incident. Um, but then I really started, ex go ahead. Did they actually, did you have a mask on though? Even though they were yes. watching you, you had a mask yes. on, but they were- I had a mask on. Yes. Against my will. I, I will tell you, I always thought masks were absolutely ridiculous because of my medical experience. I also was chief operating officer in a, in a healthcare clinic. And I was also an assistant business office manager being promoted to business office manager in a hospital. So it's not like I was a dummy and I had three years of nursing school um, as well. So it, bottom line here is, is I just knew that masks were- you know, really were just for tyranny, just to control the, the masses. And to virtue signal. And yeah, and I will make sure to put in the show notes, anybody who's still fighting those kind of mandates, 170 studies showing the harms and ineffectiveness of masks, thanks to the Brownstone Institute. Those are available for everyone. Okay. Yes, so I love that. I love that research. I love it. It's fantastic. So, so you're being bullied on, in November, in December of 2020, Yes, November and December and January. January, they wouldn't let me, they would not honor my mask exemption because that's when I was, you know, going to and from legislative session and I asked them to please honor um, and it did meet the requirements. I did have my mask on and I made it back and forth several times to and from the Capitol. But every time I was asking them, please honor my mask exemption. And they were consistently saying, no, we allow no exemptions. And I got it on recording. I told them I'm going to be recording you because I could just tell it was building. This was going um, finally on April 22nd, um, 2021. Um, I went and I again said, can I please, can you please honor my mask exemption? And, uh, and they said that I had to turn over my medical records to Alaska airlines. And what? I was like, what? I have this medical exemption. I've got, you know, um, it's a legitimate, uh, exemption and they would not, they would not honor it. So, I went ahead and I switched what I had on was a shield and I put a mask on and I went upstairs, went through security, sat in the, in the boarding area. And, uh, and then, um, I felt something wasn't right. All of a sudden I got paged and I thought, why am I getting paged? I'm, you know, so close to the door. I said, I just felt like this, something's not right. Well, all of a sudden a woman named Allison that I didn't know at the time, she came around and just really came after me and asked me if I was going to be trouble on the flight, this flight, Alaska Airlines flight back to my, and I said, I anticipate no trouble. And I, and, and uh, then she says, are you going to wear that mask 100% of the time? Oh and I said, ma'am, I have a mask exemption and I'm going to do the best I can to wear it a hundred percent of the time. Um, unless, you know, we're eating and drinking and according to your rules. And so anyway, so I tried to get around her and board it. And a, a guy named Troy Michael Woot Smith kind of jumped me as I was trying to get, you know, um, it, it scared me. And he said, put your mask up. And I was like, my mask is up. 
And, uh, and he said, if you don't put your mask up over your nose and mouth, then um, I'm going to, I'm not going to allow you on this flight. And I was like, I said, my mask was up. And so I went ahead and boarded the flight. And the next thing I knew, I got on the flight. It was very peaceful. There wasn't a single incident. No one told me to pull my mask higher on my nose or anything. And the next thing I knew, I got banned. So I never got a yellow card, never got a warning on the flight, made it safely to my destination. Um, but it was pretty nerve wracking. So I ended up and then I got banned. I got a letter that I was banned and I thought it was a joke. I said, this has got to be a complete and total joke. I mean, this is a, a fake email. And, and it wasn't. You can't and, make and this so, stuff up. You just can't make this stuff up. Every story is this shocking. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty amazing. And then the Senate president who wanted to be lieutenant governor with our governor, um, you know, he was, he was, he told me personally, that's what he wanted to do. Anyway, bottom line is apparently a consultant called him and told him I had been banned. He didn't tell me, he didn't call and tell me. So I went and I, I had to really figure out, is this really, really true? And then I recognized, oh my goodness, I got to get to Juno. Guess what was on the floor the following Monday? What? Like a wild guess. The very thing that you wanted to make sure you voted against. Correct. The governor's disaster extension bill because he had he want he kept wanting to extend the disaster declarations and I was like no 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 this is against the law you can't do this and I had killed his bill in the Senate so what he did is he snuck it through they snuck it through the house it skipped my two committees you know that I was on judiciary and health and social services and state affairs and they brought it directly to finance then to the floor so it was on the floor the following Monday a couple days before I got banned on Alaska Airlines. So what does it take for a band from Alaska Airlines senator to actually get to Juno? So what I had to do is I had to go through the PCR test and you know what I felt about them. I just thought there's no informed consent. You know, you're pushing something against. I can deny it. The state statutes are very strong in Alaska. You can deny any and all medical treatment. So I knew this was against my rights, but I really needed to get to Juno. And I, it wasn't about me. It was just about serving approximately my 40,000 people that I represented. So I said, I need to suck it up and do this. So my husband and I jumped in the car. We went and got our PCR test and just hightailed to, um, to through Fairbanks, you know, uh, below Fairbanks, but through Toke. Anyway, it's, it's a, a really, really long journey. And, uh, and then through the Canadian border, and that was a hostile border because, of course, I just got banned on Alaska Airlines. I was national and international news. So they took me in the back room and it was a very rough interrogation. I was in tears. There was two people there and it was really, really hard. They wanted to know why in the world I was driving, you know, through Canada instead of flying. And I, it was really difficult, but I, by the grace of God, I got through that interview. So listen to what she's saying. She's having to drive out of the country into Canada. That it's no easy trek to Juneau mm -hmm. from where she lives. And how and then you also have to get on a ferry for several hours, right? Right. Yeah. So you drive all the way to Haines. And I'm trying to remember how many. Do you have any idea, Scott, how many miles it is? Um, it's a long, long way to get um, from Anchorage all the way to, to Haines Junction. Then you get on a ferry and you take a, a four or five hour ferry. And there, this one, there were, um, you know, it's about four to, and it runs about every other week, I think. And so that's that's what I had to do is you had to catch it just right and then uh, to arrive to the capital on ferry. And oh. and it was it was amazing. I remember. When I made it to Juno, I was so happy because they did not expect me to show up. And I remember there was two pods of killer whales. And I was like, oh my gosh, I captured, I'd never seen anything like it before. 
And I said, maybe this is a sign that I can kill House Bill 76, Governor Dunleavy's, you know, disaster extension bill. Uh, and I, I just I just remember being elated that I actually made it to the Capitol. And then I got a bunch of um, amendments. I proposed, I think, 12 amendments. I ended up getting one of my amendments through I, probably more than one. But the one about you cannot discriminate whether someone takes a vaccine or not. You can't tell them they have to take it to go into college, to get into a store, for any health care, for any health. Anyway, it was a brilliant bill that I modeled after the Montana bill. Yeah, and it passed. And this is before the fall 2021 serious mandate season even started. You were ahead of the game on this. Yes. Oh, yes. Anybody out there who is a movie maker, this I can just see this in my mind right now being a really exciting movie to watch that people would really get a kick out of. I mean, just watching the Alaska life and what this woman, this five foot three woman is having to go through as a senator to get to vote just because of being um, silenced. I'm sure there's some conservative media out there that would love to make a movie about this one with the killer whales and all. I want to see them, too. Oh, I saved it. I saved so many awesome videos and and B-rolls. And I have just an amazing, well, and I would love to do a movie. So, you know, and I would love to get other people's stories too. I mean, there's so many. And so we would do listening sessions too. So I would do when um, they would try to de-platform me, like they stripped me from judiciary. Mm -hmm. And so I would start hosting listening sessions because I couldn't host that platform anymore. And I would listen to the heart-wrenching stories of those people that were losing their jobs, losing their businesses, being forced to take the vaccine. And it became a, like a ministry. It was so heart-wrenching. I was like, how can these people, these, these heartless, callous people keep forcing things when, when you start seeing all this, this anecdotal evidence that ends up being really outrageous evidence now. Yeah. Um, and then we were watching VAERS too, just showing the dangers lurking in this, you know, what they were calling a vaccine. We wanted to call it a shot or a jab because we knew they changed the definition of vaccine twice to, to pull wool over people's eyes. And then I was doing legal talks about the laws and showing people what their medical rights were. And they were like selling out. It was amazing. Just um, people, their interests, their interests, or it was the room was filled. It was, it was amazing. People were really, really interested in, in knowing their medical rights. I think you're also exposing how important it is for people that do have a medical background like yourself and, and Dr. Scott Jensen to run for political office because Things like this happen that affect the society and you have a perspective about medical things like, you know, they changed the definition and you were inside the pharmaceutical complex. You had a nursing knowledge as well. And all of that knowledge combined to your political interests that you had that you're involved in at the time combined together to make you able to write the kind of bills that you did and make the kind of changes you did. So uh, to wrap it up on that particular thing, on the moment you get there, you foil their plans, right? Do, or do Basically, they, they, they were not expecting me to be there. And I normally you're allowed to um, get votes and we sign chit sheets and we support each other's amendments. But I barely made it. I mean, this was like five or six in the morning when I made it, you know, or, or to the to the floor. So uh, excuse me to Juno. Then I was going uh, to the to the Senate floor. So I didn't get a whole lot of time to get support. So I was so grateful that some of the amendments got through, like the anti-discrimination for taking the um, COVID shot. And that was a huge, huge deal. So, yeah, it was pretty exciting to, to be able to, to fight for Alaskans. And it's a fight I'm more proud of than any fight in my life. I was a, it was an honor to 
put your life down and, and take a stand regardless of what was going to happen and fight for the people. And, and I think that's what public service really should be about, not what I see going on um, right now, which is very troubling. No, Dr. Uh, Malone, when I met him, Dr. Robert Malone, he made the point that all over the world, people were activated, he believed maybe supernaturally, to just fight for whatever they believed they were called to do and, and stand up. They didn't need anybody telling them what to do. They knew what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. They lined it up. They did it and they fought it fearlessly. And he said that the nurses that were at the event and people like yourself are part of that. And when we go to these medical freedom events, we all get to see each other that are not competing with each other. We just fought the battle we were given to fight. And you were given the fight for not only the, the Senate, for the people you're representing in Alaska, but honestly, hopefully this will make national, get, get more national attention. And I hope it does, because this is what we actually want our national Senate to be doing for us, as well as our state Senate. So we want people in doing what she is doing. Um, and after we come back from the break, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about these each of these lawsuits, McDowell versus Ryan Bold and Ryan Bold versus Governor Dunleavy and Ryan Bold versus Alaska Airlines. These are serious lawsuits that we want to hear a lot more details about. But before we do um, go to break, don't forget to check out the online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all the products that support our radio network at a discounted rate. That um, that includes ASEA, the official sponsor of Nurses Out Loud. During the month of February, Nurse Michelle is going to be using ASEA's Renew Advanced Skincare System, including their foaming cleanser, balancing toner, glow serum, and the hydrating cream. I, I am loving them all. Check out the skincare system with the nurses. We can't wait to hear your reviews. Send them into nurses at americaoutloud.com. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of the break, and this will be continued. Stay with us. It's time and this is Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health to reducing the appearance of wrinkles and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. 
Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. When God, through His grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Remember, our shows play on iHeartRadio Network. You can listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7 Great Talk Radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. And please be sure to share this content because you are your neighbors are not going to hear about this on your regular media. It's going to be from these uncensored platforms that you're going to get this kind of news. So be sure to share it with your neighbors so they know what happened in Alaska over the last four years. So Senator Reinbold, I wanted to pick back up and address these lawsuits that you have going right now. You've got three major lawsuits and you just had a major win with one of them. So why don't we start with the first one, the McDowell versus Reinbold, and tell us about it, how it's, you know, how it's going and how you've ended up with doing a prose case for yourself. Okay, so uh, this is an emerging area of law. There's no real statutes or anything in regards to this. So uh, basically a very activist group called the Northern Justice Project. I believe they recruited people um, and uh, bottom line is they targeted conservatives because four of the people that have been sued are all Republicans. And I believe all four of the people that sued are Democrats. So I personally believe this is a weaponization of the judicial system. So I looked up the lawyers that were involved, um, three of the lawyers and five of the affidavits against me, and all of them were Democrats. So I printed them all off, sent them into the court and just told them that in reality, they're pretending that that I, because I blocked this, what I believe to be a troll on Facebook for roughly 24 hours, I got sued the very next day. And I'm like, oh, there's something off, so off about this. Cause I looked, there was nothing about this individual and she was violating my established page manner restriction rules. And I still got sued. And I have been in court for almost three years now. The very first thing that this girl, and I'd never heard of her before, McDowell posted, was Governor Dunleavy's egregious letter. 
the very next day, I said, okay, this is more than coincidence. I've never heard of this individual. She posts this libellous letter from our governor mocking my stance on uh, COVID and medical freedom. And, uh, and then she continues to violate rules for the next couple months. I finally had had enough and went and looked at her profile. I diagnosed her as a troll and I blocked her. The very next day, I had a big old lawsuit um, in my hands. And um, I have all her comments here and I've got uh, the, the lawsuit in, in before us, but I'm not going to get into all the details of it. Bottom line, I decided to unblock her. So it was less than a 24 hours. I didn't have to because I knew there was a liability potentially there if she continued to what I say, hiss and piss on people. She, all I had was a little picture of a cat and she was hissing and pissing on people. And I thought, you know what? I don't want this. I have to have decorum, at, you know, during uh, civil discourse. So anyway, bottom line is Northern Justice Project has been unimaginably aggressive. And sadly, the judge has sided with them over and over and over again. And putting this the most distressful event of my life has been um, fighting this lawsuit. It has been awful. And um, I'm not going to get into all the details of how difficult it's been, but I can tell you that I had a lawyer for almost two years and she um, just wouldn't represent me later the way that I needed to be represented. And she just kept trying to take you to trial. I'm going to trial. Literally, I was going to trial for blocking a troll that was violating my rules for less than 24 hours, I had her blocked. And so I was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, look at what people are getting away with. And, and here I am going to trial. Right. Is this person saying that in the name of you represent her, you don't have a right to block her? She's basically, she was alleging, and first of all, I had no idea who she was. I didn't know she was a constituent. Um, I thought she was a troll. I'd never heard of her. She never emailed me, never called me, nothing. None of the official, never, no town hall, nothing. So anyway, um, she just didn't like my stance on COVID. So she was constantly poking on my stance on COVID. And, um, and then she claimed a First Amendment right to, you know, on Facebook, which has never been established. And I've had to go back and read circuit court decisions, Supreme Court decisions, Alaska Supreme Court statutes. I have spent thousands of hours the last three years researching the First Amendment. Yeah, apparently First Amendment rights don't apply to conservatives because anything we're out there saying that apparently does not agree with the social media platforms is apparently worthy of being deleted or silenced. So that's where the real trick is. So they're claiming private actors. They're claiming social media is a private actor. However, the judge ruled me to be a state actor. I said, that's impossible. How can I be a state actor when I don't have control of the space? So, you know, the, to be a public forum, the government has to take control of that space. I said, if they can slap stickers on me, delete me, delete my whole account if they want to, reduce traffic, how can it be a state action? How can the government really be in control? So I've battled the, the judge on this very intensively. Um, I ended up becoming a pro se litigant about in June this year. Um, I, my, my, um, unfortunately, my lawyer didn't represent me basically from January to, to, to May. So I was pretty much, you know, trying to do a lot of things on my own. But the bottom line is I became a pro se litigant. And then I had to really learn the rules. The rules are about a, a two to three inch, just rules on civil procedure, rules of evidence and all that. My trial got booked for January. So I had to be in this very intense pretrial schedule the last year. And the judge just called a hearing um, and December 21st, 2023, it was a very intense hearing. And I had to, I had to really, um, fight hard for myself. 
But he did a ruling in October that just crossed the line for me. It was something I could not accept. He told me I had to sign a release with Meta Facebook and turn basically, you know, with the potential turning over my Facebook records to my opponent because they couldn't prove a First Amendment right that, that, I, that they had on Facebook. They couldn't prove that I had violated any viewpoint because I allowed a broad viewpoint on my Facebook page. And so now they wanted me to turn over my Facebook records. And that's when I decided I'm going to the Supreme Court uh, against all the legal advice. I, I think I talked to three lawyers. They all said, don't do it. I did it anyway. And it was called a petition for review. They, the Alaska Supreme Court usually accepts less than five a year. And I was being mocked that they weren't going to accept it. Well, I fought and I wrote it really, really well. I have a couple really good paralegals. And uh, we wrote it and, and, and the Supreme Court accepted it, which was miraculous as a pro se litigant. Then they sided with the petitioner, which is almost unheard of. Then um, they um, granted it in part, and uh, and then they vacated the judge's order to tell me to turn over, you know, to sign a release for for um, to Meta, and then they granted me qualified immunity, which is a huge, huge deal. Um, if they said if they can't prove that there's a First Amendment right, so even ACLU says there's no First Amendment right to post on Facebook. Even the libs are saying that. And the Ninth Circuit said that. So I had all these even liberals working, you know, that, that basically were, were, were showing. And, um, and then um, it wasn't a clearly established uh, right. And so they said if they can't overcome that, then I get to... to uh, qualified immunity. And that protects me from all damages. Because really what this whole lawsuit is about, them picking and harassing me, it's called a slap lawsuit. If people want to go look it up, it's called slap. And they're basically anybody who's a bold uh, person trying to go against the government narrative, they're going to come after you. And so reads about slap. I'll let your readers, you know, your your viewers uh, go in and, and look that up. But basically, it's uh, it, they really have no legal basis to bring a case, but they do it anyway to try to shut people up. And so I decided I have to fight this. I have to win. I have to on, for the people. And then uh, the, the Supreme Court um, vacated the, the judge's order and then granted, um, told me that I could use uh, qualified immunity if they can't prove that there was an actual constitutional right violated. And, uh, and then they remanded the case back to um, the Supreme Court to focus on my motion to dismiss. So a huge victory on five levels and said that I had applied the law better than uh, Northern Justice Project uh, regarding qualified immunity. So it was a five-star victory, um, something I'm extraordinarily proud of. Yes, I'm proud of you. And I want to make sure that those out there listening in the audience actually know what she's talking about when she says prose litigant. A, lit a prose litigant is a litigant or parties representing themselves in court without the assistance of an attorney. or And that's what their reference says. And prose in Latin actually means in one's own behalf. So she is on her own behalf fighting as a not She's not a lawyer. That is, she has a really good resume, but that resume does not include that she's a lawyer. And I don't know if you all know this out there listening, but Nurse Michelle is a pro se litigant as well in the federal vaccine court against um, the federal government for my daughter's uh, COVID, uh, not COVID-19, her chickenpox vaccine injury. And it takes about 10 years to lose. And we're in our eighth year and it is very hard to do. Like she said, she feels like she should be a lawyer by now because she has had to learn, uh, been schooled on how to write uh, briefs and how to write things. And this particular thing that you just won, um, apparently the courts only accept like five of them a year. Is that correct? 
Correct. It, it, yeah, I've heard up to five a year is, is about the average. So and to, to and then to grant, he, they granted it in part. There was two issues that they said wasn't timely, but they're still on the docket. And and then remanded it back to focus on a motion to dismiss. And I wrote an amazing motion to dismiss. So I'm super excited. I finally feel like after three years of fighting this, well over $100,000 spent and thousands of my hours of time, I actually couldn't run for re-election. My husband said, you have to choose. We don't have money to, you know, for, for you to run and spend all this money because it was, you know, a lot of times it was thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to run for office out of my own pocket. Plus, I was, you know, close at that time to a hundred thousand dollars of legal fees. So I had to choose. And I said, you know, holding bad actors accountable to me is more important. And the fact that I couldn't get to work because I was banned on Alaska Airlines, um, <clears throat> you know, it was just very, very difficult. And the fact that the legislators were trying to silence me, stripping me from my judiciary chair and things like that, because I was exposing what was going on. And the Republicans even were like, you're embarrassing our governor. He's a Republican. And I'm like, but he's violating the Constitution. He's violating medical rights. He's He sleeves up for summer, pushing this jab. He's got more of a globalist type person, um, you know, which I believe, that's my opinion of Dr. Ann Zink, our medical director. She's still very much into healthcare surveillance and things like that. And I said, listen, my duty is to the people of Alaska. It is not to the party. It is to Alaskans. Yeah, that is a valid point that she is making right there, that it, was she not being able to run for her political office by pursuing her own litigation, she's actually still fighting for the people because if she wins these cases, all of these cases are going to actually help the citizenry of Alaska. And hopefully these cases will have some precedent-setting ability. But before we go on to the second case, Reinbold versus Governor Dunleavy, I want to remind everybody that the COVID litigation conference is coming up March 7th through 9th in Las Vegas. If you know any lawyers, you want to make sure to get the, I'm going to put the link in the story. These are uh, lawyers that are going to be teaching other lawyers how they can actually be successful litigating for all of the things that we've seen over the last four years in the mandates, in the COVID vaccine forced vaccinations, whether you got it uh, in your will or against your will, if you felt like you had to do it because your job was going to be threatened otherwise, all of you may have a lawsuit and we want to bring those lawsuits and set some precedents here. And, and Senator Reinbold is at the front line doing one of these uh, lawsuits. She's got three of them. So let's hope she has some success and do what we can to help her. Let's go into the next case you got um, against Governor Dunleavy. Tell me about that one. OK, so this basically, um, if we go back to February 18th, 2021, when he used his bully pulpit as a governor to write the egregious letter about me, saying, you know, it was a declaration basically saying I'd violated. There was no due process. There was no, the only thing he used was six Facebook posts. So you go back, it's always my Facebook. So this is actually, this this um, this lawsuit is actually uh, Reinbold versus the Select Committee on Legislative Ethics. Governor Dunleavy is named in the lawsuit and a guy named uh, Rick Sennett. So again, Rick Sennett um, didn't like my views. And he was a known nemesis. I'd filed a complaint against him years before. I have an amazing apology letter uh, from him um, from a previous complaint that I had filed. This was sheer retaliation. He was a troll on Facebook. One of his three accounts was just werewolf hands. He just wanted to throw stones, I believe, at me, you know, on Facebook. He, I think in all three of his accounts, he's posted twice ever. So it was, he was what we consider a troll. 
And anyway, I did block him. I didn't deny it. And I did block him on Facebook because he was a known harasser. He was a known antagonist. And I knew he wasn't a constituent. I know exactly where he, you know, where the area he lived in. So anyway, bottom line is, and so he filed an ethics complaint, a huge ethics complaint against me for blocking him. Crazy thing to boil this all down. They found me, they did a huge investigation on me and uh, and uh, were seeing if I had their view, any viewpoint discrimination, whatever that is. Are we not allowed to have discernment? Anyway, he's not even my constituent. They found me of probable cause for, for uh, violating the Ethics Act um, because I didn't allow unencumbered access to a non-constituent you know, and with a known history of harassment. It was so silly. So all as I did is I immediately appealed this and they denied my appeal. So the, the, the ethics committee. So I told them, listen, this is going to have to go forward to litigation because I did not violate the ethics law. It was in the findings section. I said he's not a constituent. So how could I be violating the findings section of the ethics? And anyway, so I filed an amazing lawsuit. And it shows all the rules and ethics. I helped write the ethics law. So I had a little advantage there. And I used to be on the <laughs> ethics committee. And then I highlighted all the rules that they violated. And, um, and I had, um, since 2008, I did a timeline and I, I put in all the emails. I spent seven months, but technically seven weeks full time doing this, doing this um, complaint. It's bulletproof. And so I'm just showing that, no, they were after my viewpoint. It wasn't me blocking, you know, a little antagonist, you know, an antagonistic person that wanted to, um, you know, heckle me from my views. I just basically, I wanted to, um, ex you know, basically have a, a broad discussion on Facebook, but without antagonistic, without people knowing Lee, we're, we're just going to be coming after me, you know, right. for my views. It's amazing to think it, the people who are out there being the trolls who are being worthy of being blocked because of their behavior are crybabies who want to go come after you for a lawsuit while they want at the same time to silence us, to block us, to keep us off the public forum conversation. All three of them were about my views on COVID. So the, the bottom line is they didn't like my views on COVID. The governor didn't like my views. Rick Sennett didn't like my views. And McDowell didn't like my views on COVID. So they're whining about a little blocking on a private platform, you, you know, um, and and so anyway, so I do have them in a lawsuit right now, and uh, I'm hoping that it that it it moves forth. Um, the judge has been sitting on it for quite a long time. I have served the governor. I've served Rick Senate. I've served them all. He wants to dismiss the case. I know that. But um, he said that if I could show where they violated the law, he has jurisdiction. And I so I specifically in my amended complaint showed exactly where they violated the law. I and uh, and so I'm hoping I'm hoping for a victory there. As a prose litigant, she is doing awesome. That is amazing that she's writing all these wonderful briefs um, and filing them in the courts, learning how to do that as she goes and doing it on her own. And thank goodness you have some paralegals to help you out. I always was Googling to help myself. <laughs> okay, so the third one that's going is the uh, Ryan Bowl versus Alaska Airlines. How about that? Let's get the status on that. So this one has been going on since April 22nd, 2023. And uh, so it's in federal court. So that one was was uh, real tricky. Um, I have now, I've done an amended complaint because apparently there were some deficiencies. They've got some very, very aggressive lawyers after in, at Alaska Airlines that they've hired some very feisty, um, uh, worse than feisty. And they're very, very, very aggressive. And I have been having to just go in a cocoon mode. I haven't done any interviews for over a year. 
And I, I, uh, I had to go in cocoon mode to learn how to write briefs in federal court. And so I wrote an amended complaint and then a second amended complaint. And this right here, I don't know if you can see this, but this is my second amended complaint. She's showing me a five inch sack of paper inside of a gigantic binder. <laughs> right. And what's kind of interesting about this is I also got the videos from the police department at the Juneau airport. It shows even with my mask exemption, and I've turned them all in as evidence. I've turned massive amounts of email for intentional infliction of emotional distress. I've turned in the international uh, news. I've turned in so much to the court to validate and substantiate my 16 claims. What's really fun about this case um, is that I put a lot of on-ramps for other people to join. For example, one of my on-ramps is they forced the pilots to take the COVID vaccine against their will. So that's really exciting to, to see that if any pilots end up wanting to join this lawsuit, um, then there's an on-ramp for them. That's so bottom line is I got banned for almost a year. The, the videos at the airport show that I had my mask up on over my nose and mouth, even after I asked for exemption, even after the rule said that they're supposed to honor my exemption, they refused. Then they falsely said I didn't have my mask on well, the evidence is clear as day and I and it shows coordination between the employees. And, and then they immediately when I was getting banned, they were going to national news. And I believe they made misstatements and I believe they were reckless and I believe they knew they weren't true. So I've got them for 16 causes of action in federal court. They have such aggressive lawyers against me that it's been the fight of my life in, in federal court, too. But the good news about this is I'm I have some pretty sharp people. Um, that are helping me. It, it's a small group in, in trenches, but one of them taught me how to do a SIR reply. And so the, the federal court last week accepted my SIR reply and in the federal case and the judge, the judge has led us all to believe that this case is going forward. So I'm, I'm excited that even though it's been one of the most difficult challenges of my life, that even in federal court, uh, things are, are looking uh, very strong for me. And if you all could see her right now, you would see a glowing, shining woman that just looks like she is walking in the light of her calling and that she is doing exactly what she's meant to do. So she is serving the people literally as she fights by herself without constituent pay helping her right now. So we're going to make sure that we put in the show notes a gifts and go that those of you who believe in this cause, because if she wins this in federal court, we are talking about things that are going to keep you from being prejudiced against when you have somebody that's imagine a, a non-medical airline employee trying to bully a senator in your state to force them to put their mask a, a half inch further up or down on their face as if they're some kind of medical expert. And I mean, even when I was in Maine and found out that they were making mandates like that, still, when I was in my surgery, I'm like, I have 170 scientific studies to show you that this is ridiculous. So, so she's medical and she even knows this is inaccurate. And she's still complying just so she can get to her job to um, represent the people. And even though she's doing her job to represent the people, they're coming after her. We don't want this to happen again. So please make sure that you check out the um, link in my show notes to help donate because she's doing this on her own and she needs our help and we want her to win. Okay, this is lovely. I love this, what's going down here with this whole case. And I love seeing her smile so big and that she's just feeling the energy that very likely success is ahead because the law is the law. It's already written. So she's going up against already written law and either they did not abide by it 
or they did. And if they didn't, the law is supposed to expose that for the sake of justice. And um, the one that is on the right side of the law should win. And we expect to get uh, righteous judges that are going to do the right thing and uh, interpret the law correctly. But hopefully these things are pretty um, point blank, clear and dry. But it's been really tough for you as a prose. I know what it takes. It's all up to you. It's on your shoulders. You have to think it through. It's your memory. It's your experience. You've got to account for every detail and get every evidence. But what is what would you say is the other hard parts about doing this on your own? It's um, basically this is this is your this becomes your life. My husband was telling me even on vacation, I was working 16 hour days. You have a ball and chain to the court. It's it's so many rules. I mean, you should see the rules and then the federal rules. And, and it's so hard to learn them all. But whoever knows the rules, rules. So I'm at a very big disadvantage against all these lawyers. Because technically, I'm taking on about 12 lawyers as a pro se litigant. But I have a few friends like Scott and Joan. There's a few people that are sticking with me in the trenches. And I'm just really thankful for them. So one, I, I want to say, um, I would highly recommend that if, if people do this, pray. And I, I love the Founders Bible. You know, this is this is what I want to equip and empower people. What has changed my life is the Founders Bible. You get it on Wall Builders. That talks about our history, about our rights. And it's just amazing. And I had it open in my office, I think, for 10 years because it's, it's just such a powerful influence on my life. Also, I had to get uh, books like How to Represent Yourself, How to Win in Trial. And, uh, and then I had to buy these huge rule books and study them. But I really want to encourage people that everybody can, can win. Everybody can influence. If your doctor told you to get the shot and you got it, go talk to them. Why did you do this to me? Why did you tell me to do this? You know, talk to your pastor. Did your pastor make you wear a mask? Ask him why. Did you take COVID money? That's what I asked my pastor. And he said, yes. So um, just things like that. Everybody can fight in their own world. Everybody Maybe I'm a, a you know a, a torch right now, but everybody can can light um, and enlighten others. And if you know somebody who's going through a hard time, who's fighting a legal battle, who's been a hero like Ryan Cole, Doctor Nas, any of these people, send them words of encouragement, like their stuff on social media, pray for them, and don't forget how powerful your influence is. Every person has tremendous influence over the sphere wherever they are. And donate to all these people. If you want to donate to a cause that you want to make sure justice prevails in what you have seen in the injustice over the last three years, please make donations to these people. And um, I will make sure in the citation of the notes, it also includes my interview with David Ragsdale, who is addressing the details of the COVID litigation summit, because he specifically addressed something that you just brought up, Senator. And that was when he said that the churches are shockingly silent right now. And uh, Senator Reinbold just said to you, ask your pastors, find out if they did take money or not. How many of you never heard anybody ever ask you that before? It's time to ask the question. How many people in your congregation lost their jobs over a mandate? How many people got vaccine injured? Who took the vaccine against their conscience? Who took it anyways and still got harmed by it? Those people's lives matter. And you need to make sure that your church is justly addressing the damaged people within your congregation. They're, and very likely, let's just be honest here, and she would probably agree with me here, uh, when you ask your doctor and you find out what kind of lame answer he may give you or she may give you, there literally may be a lawsuit for you right there. 
And that's what the COVID litigation summit is going to make sure we expose to the uh, as many lawyers as possible in this country, that in every city in this nation, somebody's doctors misled them. It was their job to read the data. It was their job to not be intimidated by the three-letter organizations that were bullying them to talk only good about this vaccine. And if they did it just to make sure they did not um, not comply with the powers that be uh, and it harmed you, you very well may have a lawsuit on your hands worth fighting. And she is showing you that you can do it on your own without your lawyer if you can't afford one. But let's hope you can find one, right? That's affordable. If not, it you know you can go pro se. Most states allow for pro se uh, litigants. And um, I'll just mention that when my doctor tried to tell me to take the jab, I said, go get the package insert. I said, I read package inserts. I'm a nerd. You know, I like to do research. So he went and got the package insert. He knew I was a pharmaceutical rep. He pulled it out. It was blank. And I said, so you want me to inject myself? You know nothing about it, nothing about the safety, nothing about the outcomes, et cetera. So I posted that and it went like wildfire on Facebook. And that's why everyone was attacking, you know, the governor and 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 McDowell and because I had a platform on, on social media. I was alienated in Juno. I couldn't even get back to my own home. So that was my platform. And that's why they attacked my platform. But the bottom line here is people need to hold their doctors, their pastors accountable. Yes, you are. I want to make sure you get your last word in because we have come to the end of the show and I'm so thankful you came here. Please make sure you check the show notes out because we want you to be able to help her out. What would you, your final words be for the audience? I would say you can make a difference. Freedom matters. Our constitution matters. Our founding fathers laid down their life for us. And we need to defend our constitutional rights. Freedom is worth fighting for, but liberty comes from God. And every one of us have liberty. And you need to go and be empowered and and fight for our future. Love it. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you, Senator Ryan Bold, for all you're doing. It's time